Be brave enough to fight off despair. If you're a Gundam pilot, a new type, you can do it. Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Gundam Zeta, Double Zeta, in fact, episodes 24 through 26. Uh, with us we have Scotty P. I guess you could say that on this episode we're, instead of going episode by episode or Zeta by Zeta, we're going to go camel by camel. If Only if we can take the water out of it. And Luke? I am also here. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't even know what to do with you two. It's, you know, it's it's probably awkward to watch us hold each other. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I made a much worse joke in that intro, so it's okay. <laughs> well, do you like my uh, my smooth, like, I fucked up? But I did fuck up. Well, you're not supposed to point it out. I know, but I I mean, everybody knows what's going on. Episode 24, Sibling Love Blooms in the Southern Seas. Or, Luke. (laughs) Fraternal Love, I think. Fraternal Love. I don't know. There's there's a couple variations of this title, and none of them make me feel good. Do they spark joy, as it were? No, no, they spark discomfort. Yeah, the the official the official one from the the Blu-rays is "Sibling Love Blooms in the Southern Seas." That and sounds weird, and also not like what happens in the episode. It, it exactly. sounds uh, yeah. Well, I, my first note for the episode was the episode title sounds like either gross or totally filler. <laughs> right, exactly. When I first saw the title, I watched the I looked at the title. Um, because I have the the titles that I hadn't watched it, watched saw the title, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this is going to be bad. It's either a bad translation or this is going to take a weird turn. <laughs> I mean, it, if you think about it based off the title, it does take a pretty weird turn, but it's not a terrible. Yes, episode. but the whole uh, the whole fraternal the like it's like fraternal love in the whatever. It sounds less gross. It just I don't know. Sounds like bros. Sounds like bros. That makes me feel better. <laughs> so, uh, we learn that uh, Neo Zeon has taken over Dakar and the Federation government. We've mentioned Dakar a few times on throughout the, the, the show uh, and how it is the seat of government for, like, essentially the Federation government, which is like a UN assembly type thing. Um, so, Zeon is there. Large and in charge. I like that there's a mention of rounding up the other Titans officers before Haman gets there, because the last time we saw Dakar was when the Titans were defending it while Quattro Shar gave his speech. And so it, I like that there's at least a nod that, oh, yes, there would have been some Titans remnants still around here. Yeah. Um the Argama at this point is descending into Earth's atmosphere, uh, kind of where we saw at the end of the last episode. And uh, we see that all the uh, suits make it to uh, Earth as well, safely. Everybody's alive, and Paul is uh, riding Judo's back like a pro. Um, I, uh, I like that Bright knows exactly where they've landed, which is Africa. 
Uh, but then he says, like, you know, no, seriously, though, Torres, like, where exactly are we other than Africa, please? And uh, there's a there's a line in here that's very, like, kind of quick, but it's one of those important lines that gets three seconds and then we just move on with our day. Uh, but Bright is... Uh, talking or thinking to himself uh, that the Argama is never going to rise to space again after this, during this little intro scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, yeah, kind of weird that they, uh, the way they mentioned it, but they had hinted at it, I think in the episode or two before when Bright was ordered to go down to earth. So um, yeah. for some reason they can't go back up. Well, we know they've been understaffed. The thing is beat up. I mean, they pulled it into Shangri-La for a couple of weeks and just threw on some aluminum paneling and duct tape and whatever to get it going again. It's technically roadworthy again, I guess. Just not space-worthy. It will not pass. It will not pass inspection. They cannot renew their registration. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so the Xeon forces are gathering at Dakar, and the Argama has been ordered to head towards uh, Dakar as well by Karaba. So we get our a nice little mention of Karaba, even though we won't see them for a little bit, but they're still there. They exist. They're a thing. Um, and then we meet uh, two people. Well, we meet three people, but one of them I don't think is ever actually named, aside from Commander. Uh, we meet Aaron and Beats. Um, oh, this guy's giving me a weird look. Aaron. Did I write Aaron? It's Ein. Ein. You know, I think I got autocorrected on this one. Ein and I'm Beats. Not, no, no excuses. Yeah. So we meet Ein and Beats. I'm going to go with Aaron. I like that better. <laughs> um, and they're they're hanging in the in the water near the Argama. Um, the commander orders them to retreat while he is going to perform some recon on the Argama. And by recon on the Argama, he means he is going to just attack it. Yeah. Um, and hey, we got some new mobile suits here. Yeah. This is the, uh, the Capul, isn't it? Capul. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, I like uh, this one a lot. This is cool. I like water Gundams a lot. And, and especially ones that become balls for some reason. I'm, in, I'm into it. I dig it. You dig balls? Yes. Water shoot projectiles. Balls in the water, yes. Salty, salt water. Um Well, yeah, you don't you don't get a whole lot of this one in the series, but it, it does have some life later on. And uh I'm not just talking about build divers. So that'll be that'll be fun. We'll get there in like eight years. Um Did you guys know we've been doing this podcast for twenty years? As of this episode, it feels like it, right? Yeah, 2002. Yeah. You know, I, ju- I started doing the math in my head. I'm like, uh, oh my God, we've been doing 20 years of in in media time. And then I'm like, wait, no. Are we, have we? Yeah. Have we? Because Shit, I think yeah. the first origin episode's in 0068. Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, look at that. Well, anyway, the others are uh, Zaku Mariners. They are not marine zakus. Uh, they are. I know. Yeah. Listen. Listen. They have flippers. Okay. <laughs> That's important. Is, does that just mean that they were retrofitted? Probably. They're Earth Federation suits, technically. 
And what you don't get, this is something that the show never tells you, but these are Federation, basically like Marine Highs Axe, if you will. And the content you don't get, or if you do, it's at least never in this episode or the next couple, is that Neo Zeon, as they were taking over bases in that area, stole all of these from mm-hmm. the Federation. Yeah, uh, this, I mean, this is really where we see, like, the Neo-Zeon remnants on Earth um, a lot. Uh, I don't think they were really mentioned very much in, and you you saw them a little bit in Zeta, but we didn't spend as much time on Earth and Zeta as we do here, I think. I don't know, we spent, yeah. Well, these these guys here aren't really remnants. These are Neo-Zeon proper. Uh, Yeah. We will run into some remnants. Yeah. Um, So... Judo almost kills himself uh, by trying to jump off the the ledge in the the mobile suit hangar. He just kind of it's like, oh, I'm gonna go launch in the double Zeta, and you know, throws his leg over and uh, gets caught by by L. Um, and it's like, no, please don't forget there's gravity here. You'll die. Um, and so Ru- it's a trend throughout this episode. Yeah. Yeah, Rue gets in uh, the Zeta and goes after it, uh, after the, uh, the couple. So, uh, during this, the Argama gets signaled that there is a safe space nearby in uh, a nearby island that they're at, uh, if they can pay some money. Uh, and the Argama signals that, yes, they are indeed game to pay the money um, and get to safety. Um, that sense again. So... Um, so the argument gets signaled that the, there is a safe space nearby. There's like a, uh, there's like a guy on a boat that's kind of like flashing a, a light at them and they respond basically saying, uh, oh, you know, we have some safe space if you're willing to pay money. And the argument is like, uh, hell yeah, we need to, you know, kind of gather our shit together and get to safety for a little bit. Yeah. He says he'll guide them for what? 5,000. What was the? Currency Gillas. Gillas? It's it's the same one that they used when they were talking about the uh refugee ship when they were on the moon. Uh, okay. Okay. I remember in the pizza place. Hey, and there's more food here because Bright eating a burger while he's doing all his captain things. Important stuff. Yeah. Um, these guys don't care. These are the important things to me in, in this episode. I have bright. I have a, sh- I have a bright burger shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. Burgers, burgers worth slapping for or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, we see judo in the argument, bringing stuff to pull, uh, and bright has apparently learned in this episode that you do not let kids watch prisoners, uh, without some sort of, uh, other kid helping watch, you know, it's, it's a little bit better than before. So like you have opposing children, uh, watching prisoners as opposed to like, just like unfettered orphans watching it, prisoners. It's like, it's like someone sat right down and he's like, look, you cannot let children watch prisoners. And he's like, I hear what you're saying. And then it cuts to two children. watching. <laughs> watching the it's like, I, I hear you loud and clear. We're going to go with teenagers instead. And <laughs> yeah. there's two. Listen, this incremental improvement, you know, you can't you can't ask somebody to to change too much all at once. So, world wasn't built in a day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I think, you know, maybe by the time, like, Hathaway's Flash is over, like, he'll have, like, an actual, I don't know, like, young adult. <laughs> How many but, you know, by, by the end of Hathaway's Flash, he'll have, like, the traditional sleepy guard that's, like, in a chair passed out with the key hanging <laughs> off his belt. <laughs> how how many war crimes happen in Gundam because of terrible prisoner security? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, so Judo goes uh, to pay people or to pay Paul and creepily. Why did I say has to go pay? Oh, I'm sorry. I know why I did this. All right. So Judo says he's going to on go fire. and fire. You're yeah. on fire it's, this episode. It's a day. It's a day. Um uh, so Judo has says he's gonna go and help uh help pay for the Argama's like safety uh ransom as well. Um and then like he turns around and he looks at Paul and he goes Sayonara Paul. And it's like it's like it gives him like the, the creepy eye stare for a second. Uh and then we see him like immediately after this sneaking aboard uh, the little boat that's leading the Argama to safety. So he's he is fleeing the Argama um, to get the fuck out of there and try to as, save. As he's Lena. like, as he's like sneaking onto the boat, um, the little boat. Not, I don't know if it's the captain, but the, the one piloting the boat that drives up to collect the money from the Argama um, is kind of giving him shit, saying like, like you know, why shouldn't I be ripping you off? Like, like they're like giving, they're like, why, like why are you charging us so much money? That kind of thing. He's like, why should I not be ripping you off right now? Like, I gotta, I gotta eat too. I've lost my business because because of this war, um, like that kind of thing. And he sees Judo getting onto the boat and doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think he says something else to try and keep them distracted while Judo is trying to jump onto the boat. Yep, yep, yeah. Because Judo asks once they start going, why, you know, why did you help me? He's like, look, I'm like you, I just you know, just trying to get ahead. Yeah. Uh, this guy's name is Taman, by the way. We don't learn this for like five more minutes, though. No, no, it, it was like a minute or two before this. What you were, mm-hmm. we learned it before? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I was like listening for the guy's name, and I didn't hear it until like they they come to get him later. See, it's a good thing I can't understand Japanese because I have to look up. <laughs> um, so yep. Yeah, so L thinks that Judo wants to fuck Paul. But is but uh, but Paul's like nah, he's not on the ship anymore. Like he's not here. And Elle's like, well, take me to judo. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take you to judo. You know, he's my he's my big brother. Of course, I'll take you to judo. Um, so there's a interesting bit in here because the for the next little bit we're gonna see Paul more so than we already have doing some very like. Jedi Knight style, you know, sense of presence and almost some telepathy things and these very, you know, convenient new type powers. People often give newer shows a lot of flack when they just invent new type powers. This, to me, is an example of the older Tomino shows doing exactly that whenever they felt like it for the plot. Um, and But I do like how they kind of hand wave it away. Because you know, Paul says, yeah, he's not on the ship. I can feel it. And L is going, wow, can all new types do that? And Paul just goes, I don't know about that. But I, I can. But I, I don't think everybody else can. And we just go with that. Yeah. Um, so Judo 
gets to the island uh, with Taman, and they go meet up, uh, and we meet Anu. Uh, yeah, we meet Taman's sister-wife, Anu. I mean, his sister. <laughs> look, sibling. all I did was look at the episode title. So I, You know, I, I saw her, and I'm like, oh, no, this is it. <laughs> and I immediately got kind of kind of panicked. But she kind of has like a moment with, uh, with Judo. Um, they kind of like give each other like... Judo is a ladies' man. He he makes this makes this stuff happen. Well, he just like kind of like walked in, and she's like, "Oh, oh, I haven't seen any other people other than my 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 brother, husband, or whatever we want to call it." Uh, and so she kind of gives him gives him the goo goo eyes, and then he he kind of is like, "Oh yeah, cool, I'm I'm down with this." Um, and then they kind of go from there. They kind he kind of like t- they kind of take him in. I don't know if their intent was to like shelter him there, but they kind of sit down and start talking, um, and then. Uh, yeah, they kind of hang out for a little bit, um, discussing. I don't know if they really cover much of anything important, uh, short yeah. of. They, they kind of just talk about, like, for, uh, uh, excuse me, like, what they're doing, like, mm-hmm. what Taman is doing with this random dude he just brought home. And Taman's saying he's going to take Judo to the mainland. And this is this kind of goes back a little bit. I didn't look at a detailed map, but I think they're around, like, the Leeward Islands. And yeah, yeah, I might be getting it, the. They they said kind of very briefly that they were I think four hundred kilometers south of Dakar right when they said earlier where that they didn't yeah. make it quite where they were aiming for. Yep. Yeah. So that's what they say. The map they're more southwest and they're kind mm. of on a cape. Yeah. So I think I think that's the Leeward Islands. I'd have to go look at a map. I didn't look yeah. at a map, so I could be wrong. But yeah, they're on yeah. obviously an area away from the mainland. But yeah, Taman's basically just saying, hey, I'm just going to take him to the mainland. And then mm-hmm. that's when Anu starts to go like, don't stop doing dangerous stuff. And Taman's like, you no. should be involved. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. He says, he's paying for your food in this mud hut. Pretty yeah, much. this is. This is like interesting because this starts. There's a few themes that we start seeing in like this episode and then in the next few episodes. And I think we talked about how like Double Zeta does like this thing where like they'll pick a bit or they'll pick a theme and they'll like run with it for a few episodes. But this is like the beginning of the showing how, you know, Earth people kind of got fucked over by the mobile suits on. He does kind of give a little bit of uh, exposition about like, you know, he hates the war and because in Africa, there's just been this constant war, like constant strife and fighting between like the Xeon and and the Federation uh, and and the Titans and so on and so on. And just, just the constant war. Yeah. What they choose for a focus here for a while is it, it, again, it's, challenging and doing something different from the two shows before it. So whereas in Mobile Suit Gundam, you have everything very much following the crew of a military ship, even once they get off course, everything is sort of centered around that in the Federation's counterattack against uh, the occupying Xeon forces. Then when you go into Zeta, everything is around what the AUG is doing in there, essentially a military operation. And then the next time around when they come back, it's all about, Real, really Camille and stuff with four and all that, but it's still centered around, Hey, me and Quattro are going to Kilimanjaro and we're doing stuff for the ague against the Titans at this big military base. So when you get with double Zeta, you get to earth and what they do is instead of focusing, because there are things they could focus on going on. We hear about Neo Zeon invading and taking over Descartes we see how they're doing all these other operations and how the other Xeon remnants are, 
meeting up with them and, and joining, you know, they're bringing their forces together to try to route the Federation out. But instead of focusing on all of that, we're instead seeing something on the periphery of it um, because of what the Argum has been ordered to do. And it lets them focus in on just the regular people that are there when all this other crap is happening around them. Yeah, I think in some ways, uh, and we'll see this more as we go throughout the show too, but Double Zeta is one of the more anti-war Gundam series out there just from like the main characters and the interactions on the show. I think there's a lot of, uh, of subtext, especially if you think of like judo as a character, a lot of his motivations. And then like the things we're seeing now, when we see down the line, um, that they, they very much have the, this, you know, war is bad, but this is why war is bad. And this is like the results of war, which it adds a little bit of uh complexity to double Zeta that, some of the others kind of gloss over. I mean, it's there, but they gloss over it a lot more than Double Zeta does, I think. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so the uh, she doesn't want them getting involved in, in the war and all the fighting. Um, and then uh, Eno and uh, L are looking in, in their core fighter. They split up. Um, to find judo. Um, it's, worth, it's worth noting that as they're doing this, it's like, it's like a pretty torrential downpour. It's like windy and storming pretty bad. Um, and there are a couple of like throughout this episode, a couple of references to how the people from space can't handle the gravity and they, like, they're freaking out about the wind and like, they can't handle this. And this is like super normal to them, to, to the, like to the locals. Yeah. And this, this go ahead, Scotty. Well, I was going to say, um, it's kind of interrupting the train of thought. Sorry, but L and Eno are so L is in a core fighter cockpit, and Eno has a hold of pole, and L is saying, "Hey, pull, tell me where Judo is. I'm going to go and get him." And Pull's basically like, "Not going to do that." And she has this sense of Anu for some reason, and says. She lies at that point. She knows Judo is somewhere else talking to someone. She has like a, a sixth sense for Judo's talking to another woman because it happens all the time. So, I mean, she could probably just sense that at any point. She figured but, out what that specific wavelength is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then she just lies and goes, oh, actually, Judo's on the ship. And Elle knows she's lying, gets mad, and charges at her, which was the point she wanted to provoke her. Pull then runs around her, hops into the core fighter, and leaves. And then Ellen Eno give chase in the core top and the other piece of the double Zeta. And along the way, kind of rightfully, L berates Astonage, like, why is the, the door just open? Yeah, she like eats out of the door, uh, pull just like eats out of the door. And she's like, why is the hangar door open? <laughs> like, it's one of those, I think that was supposed to be kind of a comedic bit, but it's a really good point. I mean, stuff gets stolen from the Argama a lot. So constantly, and it's like in the middle of like a torrential downpour. They literally just got ripped off by like fishermen pirates. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they did get ripped off. Um, yeah, so this is a part uh, where Taman has some guy, some rando guy from the island come in and tell him about That's a job. His dad. Oh, it is his dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he gets his dad coming in uh, and tell him about a job, and um, Anu's like. Uh, Anu tells Judo that the robots were brought to the island recently and they're getting paid to pilot them. Um, and Ju- Judo's like, oh, I'll, I'll try to get, you know, 
this situation better. I'm obviously, uh, I'm obviously a sage 15 year old child who can convince an island full of people not to pilot mobile suits. Well, she basically says that they, that they brought the mobile suits and then they kind of indoctrinated everybody and they've been paying them and training them to, to pilot the mobile suits for them. Um, and she's worried. She's like kind of panicked because she's worried that they're going to send him out and have him kill people. Yeah. He's like, they trained them to pilot robots. Why I'm a robot pilot. That means I can solve this problem. Obviously, even though they don't know that he's a robot pilot. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah. So, so at this point, you know, and Lena split up while they're looking for the core fighter that, uh, pole is piloting. Yep. Um, and, so we see the Xeon commander, who I, I believe is still unnamed. Um, I don't think he ever gets... D- does he get named? Not that I know of. Yeah. So he's just commander. Uh, we get the other guy's names, but just commander. Orders Taman and the other natives to attack the Argama uh, oh. with a couple if they want to get their pay. I forgot to bookmark it, but I did see somewhere online that uh, he might actually be like a recycled animation model from Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> it's not worth it the name. surprise me. Yeah, so it, it's funny here, and this this starts the the second uh, theme that we have moving forward. Um, so the Xeon guys are all pissed that the natives look down on space noids, uh, but the next breath they say, "Like, man, I I don't trust water based mobile suits because uh, they're made by you know space noids who haven't been." around the sea and like we see we get variations of this theme uh in the next few episodes of yeah that's they, why they put taman in the k-pool because they're like uh you really want to trust a suit made by the space people yeah he says he says something along the lines of like why pilot some uh pilot something built by someone who's never been in the water or, or something along the lines of like why not let the people used to the water in the water like that kind of thing I actually wrote this down. Uh, why trust an amphibious suit made by engineers that have never seen an ocean? And he's like yeah. nudging the other dude. <laughs> it's a very good point. That's a very good point. It is a very good point. Um, if the, if only they had uh, you know, like pulled the uh, Gundam Atlas. Look, <laughs> Gearin had enough rando freaking amphibious suits made that probably all they really had to do was just take a bunch of wreckage and plop it together. Isn't Zagok technically an amphibious mobile suit? Not technically. It very much is. It it is. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I thought. It's one of the weirdest but coolest looking suits I had in my... The Capool is pretty cool, too. The Capool is pretty cool. I like the Capool a lot. Do they have any... uh, I'm I'm sure they do, but do, do they have any, like, nice gunpla of it? Funny you ask. There's a very new high grade, but it's the Momoka pool from Build Divers. Oh, okay. And they, they have not done the other versions yet. They did. Um, no, that, yeah, it's only been the the uh, Momoka pool. They haven't even done the Sanaka pool from the mobile game. Um, so, yeah, it must not have sold well for them to not make all the other variants. It, it's a unique looking suit for sure. Um, okay, so Judo confronts uh, Taman, but uh, Taman just is like, nah, fuck you, dude. Like, I'll do what I want. I got to get paid. Uh, and punches uh, Judo in the stomach, and Judo pulls the, the family guy. 
I had a note about this. He passes out. So he gets knocked unconscious from a, a, a punch to the gut. Um, and I can't remember if it was here or if it was earlier, but there's a couple different times where the, the locals make comments about how weak the space noids are physically. And like how they can't handle like they can't handle the gravity and they're not very strong. I think I, I want to say when he was getting on the boat earlier, like he was like grabbing something and he was like it was super heavy for him. And the, the fish guy was like, ha ha, weak space noise, something like that. And this yeah, is a good and, example of that because he gets one slight punch to the stomach from someone way stronger than him. and He just can't take it. Exactly. Yeah. And when Taman's dad runs in and tells him about this new job or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's really not that bad, but they said they'll pay us double because of the weather. Like, we're not just totally used to this. <laughs> we got to do this. Yeah. Um, but Paul hears Judo yelling in pain. Um, and Judo hears Lena calling out, which is weird. Because uh, Lena just kind of comes out of nowhere in this. I don't know if it's maybe like a flash of him like passing out or something. Well, it's when Anu's like waking him up. So it's like as he's waking up. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, I thought it was continuing the new type stuff. At the- no, because it's basically Judo, like when he first opens his eyes and it's hazy and he hears a voice, he thinks it's Lena. And then it's actually Anu. Hmm. So Judo is going to take Anu's mobile suit uh, when Pool shows up in the core fighter. Um, and instead no, of taking... there's no mobile suit. He was going to take a boat. I thought, she, I, I thought she said boat. she had a mobile suit that she was assigned no. to. No. Huh. No, he said, I need to borrow a boat. She's like, what are you going to do in a boat? He's kind of <laughs> like, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm a robot pilot. I'll transform it. I'll take three boats and I'll transform it into the double boda. If you, hey, you know, if you get enough boats, you're going to have the whole shock fleet. They merge up and transform into tidal wave. How, that how, is not in this series. How convenient is it that anytime the core fighter is stolen, the other two follow after it, and they all end up together, and then they transform into the double Zeta and are able to fight off a superior enemy? Well, see, what you don't know is that behind the scenes... Anaheim Electronics is actually a subsidiary of Bandai. <laughs> oh God! Speak, speaking of, I, I have I have a hot gunpla fact here. You mentioned the uh, the Capule um, model from from Bill Divers. There's actually one in the '90s, but it wasn't the Capule. It was the Capule, which is the Turn A variant of it. it it's it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing, but it's slightly different color. Yeah, it's a it's more of a teal green, and they spell it different, but it's not a different suit. It's, it's got the thing. same model designation too. It's they're both AMX yes. one hundred and nine. So they they did not make a new Zaku two kit for Turn A, but if they had, it would have just been a Zaku two same model number, and it would have been Borjanon. Because getting way ahead, but. Those suits are given different names in that series because the people using them don't actually know what their names were. So they make they, they give them new ones. I like Gumpla. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, back to the Capule. It is uh, underwater. 
It is leading the Zakus, and it is way faster than the Zakus underwater. Uh, to the point that the the Neo Zeon guys basically like they they launch like a one of the little communication bands to to the cap capule and like pull it back and they're like, hey, slow the fuck down. Yeah. So the the Zaku Mariner has this little like magnetic grappling hook thing, and this is where we get to see it use that a little bit. Yeah. Well, the, I think most of the suits also have something similar because we've seen them use it in a few different scenarios to basically speak in space, you know, like how when they touch each other's suits or the normal suits or something like that. I was I was looking at, maybe Scotty already said this, but the Zaku Mar uh, Mariner is apparently a, um, it's an upgrade, like a pseudo upgrade over the Zaku Marine type that we saw uh, back, what, 10 years ago at this point, nine years ago at this point. Um, so apparently it's supposed to be better, but that capule is, the capule, capule, I'm gonna call it capule, is, uh, just that much better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously like a purely designed underwater suit as opposed to the Zaku's, which are, yeah, they can work underwater. Which are blue. Yeah. I, I think, you know, in a tech tree, the, the capules sort of descended from the gog, but it really looks like the, the gog and like the high gog E from more in the pocket, like had a baby. Mm -hmm. Had a robot baby. There's lots of clanking. <laughs> um, all right. So Judo tells Eno and L that the Argama is uh, going to be attacked by these underwater suits. Um, and they decide to give him the double Zeta and head back in the uh, core fighter that, uh, that is the remnant of the formed, uh, Double Zeta, um, and he descends underwater in the uh, plane mode of or ship mode. I don't know what the, the proper name of it is, um, but G he's Fortress. Yeah, he turns into the Double Zeta G Fortress and goes underwater to fight the uh, Neo Zeon and yeah. Islanders. And and I enjoy when Paul is like, "Can can this do this?" <laughs> and of course it can. He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I well, he I, he says it can go like it's like it can go to two hundred to three hundred uh, meters underwater before it starts to I break wrote, down. I wrote this down because here's what my subtitle said, and we've had this conversation about whether or not mine is good or not. Uh, it specifically said, "Yeah, the double Zeta can handle water pressure of two hundred or three hundred." <laughs> that's that's what the official Blu-ray says as well, but it doesn't say two hundred or three hundred of what. I think judo is just making shit up. Is the point? <laughs> we can definitely handle two or three hundred. Two or three hundred? What? Yeah, he, he's basically Shut like, up. look, it can take a point blank shot. What's a little water pressure? Hey, again, we just we need to go back to Thunderbolt and and just remember uh, when when uh, Eo went too deep underwater in the, in the atlas it did start basically bulging and, and per bursting this you know the atlas was the test huh yeah 400 yeah it was the test uh suit for the double zeta g fortress uh this is canonical <laughs> we figured it out we talked about just making things up man <laughs> you, you know this is this is a side story uh and, and it's probably better for a different episode, but I, I, I did read finally um, that uh, 
based off of some of the things that have been happening in Thunderbolt recently and the, and the very new uh, things, which I'm sure we'll eventually cover when it gets closer to being done. Um, like Thunderbolt is officially like it's, it, it cannot be canon at this point because I think they were like mass producing Mark twos or some bullshit like that. Uh, yeah, I don't have the full context for that. Um, yeah. I mean, it looks like some kind of crazy stuff, but yeah, you know, it's, it's like it officially went off the rails. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's, that's an arbitrary point to decide it's gone off the rails. Uh, I think so. The that, story went off the rails a long time ago. Well, but I think right, right, right. I think without the full context, because I, the the only context really out there that I know of, unless somewhere is actually actively scanning these as they come out, uh, and if they are, okay, cool. Then I'll I'm wrong and I'll shut up. But like, it's just some like a couple of things from what Zionic and and maybe someone else following the Raws. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. I think it's just I think if you like, it's one of those things to me that is sort of like it's a dumb argument, but like if you don't want to count it, you already had reasons. Yeah, I mean, I I think yeah, it, you know, yeah. whatever. I I I I like Thunderbolt. I think it's gone on too long, but I like Thunderbolt. Yes. <laughs> that was my only disappointment in seeing it. It was. It's still going. <laughs> like we, I think we talked when we uh, did the, our original series on it. We were like, "Yeah, this this is totally going to be done in like three or four volumes." And I think there's been like eight volumes released since yeah. then. Yeah, we, I think we said like they can't possibly go more than like three volumes. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to space for the final battle. <laughs> mm. oh okay wait no never mind they're introducing new characters all right we are going yeah all right uh, all right yeah. so um judo fires at the zakus before they can attack the argama uh he basically like hits uh part of like the uh ocean shelf and it just kind of like blows them back um and it, it it provides the argument enough cover that it's able to launch out of the cove that it was hiding in um to get out of their way uh, the, uh, the double Zeta transforms back into mobile suit mode. Um, and judo is kind of talking about how tell and pull it. He's like, I only want to take out the soldiers. I don't want to hurt the Islanders. They're like, they're innocent in all of this. They're not innocent in all of this, but they're, he says that, um, so pull uses night new type magic to scare Taman, but instead of scaring him, well, it does initially scare him, but, uh, he gets angrier as a result. He's like, what the fuck? Um, and then one of the islanders tries to uh, escape, uh, but the Zeon soldiers uh, turn on him and f- fire a rocket at him and kill him. Um, and this pisses off Judo, obviously, and Judo just obliterates all of the Zeon pilots. Um, so uh, Judo grabs Taman's suit and starts talking to him and telling him that they need to stop fighting um, because he's going to make his sister sad when he dies. Uh, and Judo's crying and saying he doesn't want to fight. It's like, you know... I think, it, I think right around this point, he still doesn't realize that it's Judo. And like it's like dawning on him as this is happening. This is actually Judo in this, in this suit. Yeah, so that he realizes that once they make contact. and Because the only thing he hears before this, even though... So this is one of those things that changes the way you watch Gundam, is... That there's a lot of yelling back and forth in the cockpit that's made to sound when you're watching it like they're having a conversation, but they're not. They can't hear each other. Oh, I thought when they're touching and each so, other, they can hear each other. It, that, 
That's what I was getting to. Oh, sorry. Once they make contact, they can hear each other. And the thing that you have on this is Taman hears pull very briefly out of context, and it just makes him more mad. Yeah. But now that they're actually, the suits are in contact, they can hear one another. Um, don't ask how it works. It's just how Gundam works, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, Taman hears it's judo, and he actually kind of starts to listen. And there, this is a good judo scene. Uh, this is, I think, the highlight of the episode, honestly. Um, other than, you know, it gives you some opening narration and stuff and sets the scene for where they're going. But he's, like, crying. He's serious at this point. And he's like, fighting sucks, dude. I can't, can't you see this? I'm not doing this because I want to. And there's a, a really good quote from Judo here that I think is very character-building for him. Um, you know, he's talking to Taman. He says, you're like this because you depend on others. If you do everything in your power to rely on yourself, other people won't be able to use you. And it's, he is sort of reflecting, you know, or excuse me, he's projecting onto Taman what he's trying to do himself, really. And I, I thought that was good. A good line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, it, it works on Taman. He, he is convinced and he turns around and starts charging uh, the, the cave that they were storing all their suits in um, and jumps out right in time to blow it up. Um, so yeah, he takes out all of the Neo Zeon suits that were hanging out there um, and he makes it back to the island. You see him swimming, uh, swimming towards his sister while a rainbow uh, appears over him. Um, oh God, were there any swans? <laughs> didn't see him if there were. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, that, the, this last scene means there's going to be flowers and sunshine for Judo too because Taman and his sister were reunited. So um, obviously this is uh, portends well for Judo in the future. Episode 25, The Face of Rommel. All right, so is he a weasel? I know he's got the little military cap, and, and I always picture him as weasel. Yes, okay. I, I, I can't imagine what else he could be. Uh, a World War II tank general. Well, that's yeah. That's. <laughs> look, so Bill, Bill, good. As I say, build divers ruined. Rommel. All I see is the, the little weasel dude. <laughs> well, okay, because Desert Rommel, which I think is his official name. His uh, first name is Desert, yeah. Yeah, I think Desert Rommel is uh, in exactly one episode of this, and then Rommel from Bill Tyrus in like 35 the episodes. series, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's, I, he's canonically more Rommel than Desert Rommel. Uh, well, I mean, canonically there's more, uh, there's more Rommel. I mean, because there's the whole um, He's in Zionic the front and yeah. legacy, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, uh, but he doesn't have there... the grimoire red beret with the tilt rotor pack. That's true. That's fair. That was a sick. That was a sick gun one. Yeah, I like them quite a bit. The grimoire is yeah. one of my favorite suits. And it's like a deep cut to. Um... Oh, I forgot the. I'm totally blanking on the name of it. It's the another mecha show where it's got like a, a red, it's like just the arm or shoulder or something is red. I'm completely blanking on it right now. Definitely the big O. No. 
<laughs> uh, no, I'm not sure. Uh, I think Desert Rumble's based on, like, like he was loosely based on on the the general from World War Two, right? Oh yeah, the, yeah. the Nazi. <laughs> it's almost on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Well, they kept like we we lost a lot of that like Sieg Zeon Nazi like you know imagery like where they were like hiling Zeon. You know what I mean? Um, and we get that again in force here. And I think a big part of that is that as they as they're talking, they keep they keep mentioning we've been here for eight years. We have been here for eight. Years. So it seems like they're like remnants of like. Yeah, these uh, are definitely Xeon remnants as opposed to Neo Xeon like proto fascists. But, but the, uh, an interesting note is, and this is kind of later on, is he recognizes the Zeta later on, and I don't want to spoil it, but he says, "Oh, you're one of the new models, right?" And like he's recognizing new stuff, which means he's getting information. So he like knows what's going on. He's not like out there just devoid of information and understanding of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's jump into it. So armored trooper votoms, that's what I was thinking about. I have right, not heard now, of that. Now let's jump into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> all good. Um so the suits uh all the mobile suits leave the Argama and now they're we're going to officially dub them the the Gundam team um for the next several episodes. They uh left the Argama and they are heading towards Dakar. So they're taking uh we learned they're taking a indirect route um, through the desert to get to Dakar while the Argama kind of circles around and goes a different way. Um, uh, Maneva, we learn, has entered Dakar, and uh, we meet Rommel, who we've been talking about for the past five minutes, um, <laughs> a guy who is wearing an old Zeon uniform, uh, and we he, he has his own intel force. Uh, we get a note, uh, and it, it, we assume, we can assume that they are left behind Zeon remnant forces. Um, yeah, they make we, that pretty clear with like, well, the first, the, their uniforms yeah. are a dead giveaway. They're the old style Zeon uniforms. Uh, there is a Zeon flag, like in the background during an upcoming little shot when it pans out and he has someone to shave his face for him. Yeah. We know that comes with the benefit package when you enlist with Zeon. So, well, the, that's uh, that's a rank benefit. Well, right, yeah. So, um, he he mentions that they are aware of the Argama, uh, and he specifically says it's a ship that looks like the white base, uh, and that it has sent forces through the desert. Um, so this to me, the way the way they start talking, and I don't think we have any solid confirmation on this. So, uh, Mineva at this point has probably some lines of communication with the Zeon, Zeon remnant forces on earth, but it doesn't seem like uh, she has definitive control over them at this point. Well, so what I saw in mind was that he was getting the briefing and the guy says uh, the Ayuk and Karaba are planning to oppose Maneva's plan to invade Dakar. That's what the subtitle read for me. I know there's differences and all, but no, I, I think that's the general the, gist. The yeah. But like yeah. they know about her plan, they're gonna stop it. Like that's what's going on. So the the previous episode, um, the Argama gets when they get their message from Karaba, Karaba informs them that Neo Zeon has joined up with Zeon remnants at Dakar. So we know that they're acting together based on one line in the previous episode, and this is just expanding on that where we now see 
a Xeon Remnant Force that is clearly, you know, knows things and is probably in touch with uh, the actual like, Neo Xeon forces proper at Dakar, and we're just under the impression at this point that they're still some distance away from there. Yeah. Yeah, I but there there's still I think the way we can read it though is that they're still distinct units. Like they are not Maneva's troops. They are Xeon remnants that are working with Maneva, right? Is that well, way you yeah, read it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um all right. So, um Rommel states that he will destroy the Gundams and fight against anyone who isn't part of the zombie family. Uh and orders for his forces to be dispatched. So he is all for restoring Maneva Zabi to the throne of so Earth. We have some Zabi loyalists, is what they're trying to tell us. Yeah, the the real good guys of Sion. Yeah. Um I, I like the little that little like Chinibio fist shake when he's talking about them Gundams. We'll get them Gundams. It's been eight get years. Next time, gadget. You know, I wrote uh, uh, that Rommel's got like. Mad Gundam envy going on right here. Just white hot rage from his Gundam envy. Finally get that white base. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, so he orders his his forces to be dispatched, and we get this like brief little scene of them like uncovering Zaku's and shit in the middle of this village. And I'm just th- I'm just sitting here thinking if like if this is how they hid from Earth forces for eight years. Like a fucking Zaku that has like a netting over it. He's got like palm trees in front of it. <laughs> they didn't hide. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, there's one thing we, we did skip here, though, is, is Nikki. We got our introduction to Nikki. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, this, this is right. like the, the very next thing is, is Nikki. No, that's before the mobile suits. Well, they started on. Unco- well, okay. Either way. But it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's all yeah. in like the same yeah. area. But. Yeah, you know, basically we just have this guy and, and you know, there there's no way this is foreshadowing for something terrible in Gundam. Um yeah, he's basically Rommel goes to look at all his troops and they're all gathered doing their Sig Zeon, and then he's like, Wait, where's Nikki? He's like clearly missing someone and the dude is walking up and he's got his presumable like wife and child with him. And they're like, No, don't don't let him go, don't make him fight. And so Rommel reacts by punching Nikki. At least he didn't punch his wife. Um, but he's like, yeah, oh, he no, there's no. Him. What's that? I said, yeah, he decked him. He hit him real. He didn't just slap him. He, like, knocked him down hard. Yep. He's like, oh, there's no cowards in the Rommel course. Then Nikki gets up, follows Rommel, and his wife tries to stop him. And Nikki's the one that's an asshole to his own wife, pushes her out of the way. And his kid's crying. But then Rommel starts talking about you know, we've been in the desert for eight years and we've prayed for the revival of Zeon with Maneva's arrival. Our prayers have been answered. They go into their like, Oh yeah, seek Zeon. And now we get into, all right, we're going to start. Well, he sends Nikki away. He says, go send the scouts. Don't get caught. Good luck. Have fun. He's so he's sending him to do something. Then we get them. Yeah. Finally taking all the stuff off of their mobile suits. They got Zaku's. They have a, it looks like a Dom. It's actually a Dwaj. Um, these have all been like customized for the desert. Uh, we even see when the camera moves, like the Zaku has got like these ski boot kind of looking things instead of thrusters, you know, which is, yeah, it makes sense for the dunes. But uh, so in the like ancillary material 
for all this stuff. This team wasn't like hiding out covertly. They were beating up on like Federation bases and stuff to get supplies and, and keep themselves stocked and all that. So this is a little bit different from uh, like Kimberlite and 0083 where they were kind of hiding out and waiting and, and very covert because they didn't want to get their asses kicked because, as we saw, once they were found, that's exactly what happened. These guys have been kind of doing guerrilla warfare for a long time. But this is at least where they're stationed because Nikki has a wife here, wife and family oh, here. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm saying that, but they haven't really And they don't hiding. blend in from like a, we're still wearing military uniforms and six zioning in the middle of the fucking street. It'd be yeah. like if you walked, you know, walked downtown, like any city and like saw the, these groups of guys in like Nazi uniforms, like talking and like giving everybody dirty looks and then... <laughs> <laughs> totally nothing going on here, guys. You're just like, yeah. Walk, yeah, you walk into a random town. Uh, I, I love that their their like uniform was like traditional Zeon up to the neck, and then turban. Yeah, it was just I like you gotta like, protect yourself from the weather. Visited. It's not alter the uniform in any way, but turban. Yeah, you, you gotta you know you gotta survive the elements, I guess. You would think <laughs> they would have had a sun hat version, you know? Oh yeah, more like a like a safari type thing. Which is like a wide brim. Yeah, they had like regular caps, right? Like you know, just wrap that cap around. You know? yeah. Lane, you've you've been in the desert. What what was your choice of hat? Uh, I just mostly wore a normal hat or didn't go outside when it was really sunny and put on a ton of sunscreen. It was uh, yeah. I, you know, desert heat's not as bad as uh as humid heat. I, I'll tell you. Was really that? big beach sun hats that uh, that fashionable ladies wear. Like one's <laughs> a gigantic rim set. He would just like roll around in that. Yeah, I, I never wore the big hats. Um, but yeah, I mean, like 115 degrees in dry heat is nothing compared to like 85 degrees and 100% humidity. I think it's more about the potential for the skin cancer that you probably now have. <laughs> I mean, it it is. But I mean, as far as like tolerating the weather... <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, the Argama mobile suits are, so the Gundam team are stuck in the desert due to sand, just like filling all the things in the suits, just like I fill all the things in Scotty. Um, and also hates sand. Yeah. Beach. Everybody hates sand. I mean, they're fucking stuck in the desert. They don't have a lot of resources and it's coarse. (laughs) Just gets everywhere. It does. Um, (laughs) and, and so Paul is taking a bath in uh, the core fighter and has it locked out so nobody else can get in there. And everybody's I just like, note, she has like an inflatable pool in the middle of the cockpit and she's locked everyone out and she's got her inflatable pool filled with suds and she's just like chilling in there, taunting <laughs> them essentially from the cockpit. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta take my bath, guys. Just chill. <laughs> and then everyone starts going, well, we need more water. <laughs> Do they, though? <laughs> You know, you know, Judo would drink that water. <laughs> um, all right, I just let I was just letting that one, letting that one go, letting that one fester, marinate. Um, so, so everybody's pissed at Ju- uh, Paul for using all the water, and so Judo decides he has to go out and find an oasis to solve everybody's problems. Um, Paul gets up so upset when she sees Judo leaving, and takes off in the core fighter to go follow him because 
Can't be too far from Big Brother. No, in the, in the Mega Rider, she doesn't oh. take a core fighter. Sorry, she just stands up and goes over to the controls, and you know, ends up. She just leaves Rue and Eno just get knocked off into the sand. Yeah, like they're trying to hold on for a second, and then they fall off. I'm sure. Yeah, it's she, really. She rolls out, and I'm like, she almost just murdered some people. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we need some accidental murder in Gundam. Just yeah. Um, so Judo stops to chastise Pull uh, when Nikki observes uh, the, them like arguing in the desert. Basically, Judo's like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Get back with everybody! I'm going to go get water and save the day." Um, Rama wants to get more info on them um, in case they were modified to work in the desert. They were not modified to work in the desert. <laughs> um, so Judo and Pull get ambushed from underneath uh, in a dune uh, by two suits that are going on. So like uh, the dub- sandworm zakus. <laughs> sandworm zakus. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got Rommel and his dwaj, and then you have a guy in a zaku named Callahan. Very. Very um, definitely Irish guy, except not. <laughs> um, yeah, so, desert look to them. Yeah, so Judo, you know, tries to fight, but he is clearly not. Judo has two things going against him. One, he's not used to fighting in Earth's atmosphere still, and two, um, he. He's doubly fucked in the desert. Uh, he's just not as mobile as all of these suits that have been modified to work in the desert. Um, so he gets close to the mega uh, to the mega rider and sends uh, Pull to go get to it, and then the suits start shooting at Pull as she's running towards the mega rider. Um, this pisses Judo off. He runs out of ammo um, as he's like fighting off these suits. Uh, but Paul manages manages to surprise the suits um, and kind of like stall them for long enough for her and Judo to retreat. Um, but we get an ominous message from Rommel saying that he swears that they won't escape while they're in his territory. Um, so Rommel decides he is going to try to ambush uh, Zeta again, uh, this time by using Nikki and... Um, we learn that the map of the desert, and this is yeah, this is another one, maps of deserts made by space noids are useless. And we learned in the next episode, I think it is, that this map is not even like close to like being like correctly dated. It was the map they're using, and I don't think there's much of a spoiler who mentions this because we'll we'll bring it up again next episode. The map they're using was made by space noids and it, it predates the One Year War, <laughs> so. They're fucked. So it's helpful. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the suits are on the move again uh, when the Zeta comes under attack. Uh, Pull gets in the Mega Rider again uh, to meet up with the rest of the suits while uh, Judo is chasing Nikki. Um, so Pull tells L and everybody that she knows that they're going to be ambushed again. And, um, I don't think Judo realizes that he is actually going to be ambushed. He's just like trying to chase this suit down. Um, 
so Nikki, Nikki continuously asks for backup as they're approaching the ambush zone. He's like freaking out, like, help, help, help. Come on, guys. Really? I need your help. Please save me. Please save me. Uh, and Rommel's forces just start firing right through Nikki, uh, and end up uh, blowing him up and killing him. Um, uh, and I like the point where it kind of shows him being like, Hey, I'm, I'm out here. Hey, she stopped firing. I'm out here. And then Rommel's like, increase the barrage. Yeah. Whoops. Rommel's not a good dude. We're not going to stop. Yeah. So it's a fairly chaotic scene. Um, as judo is surrounded on all sides by Rommel's forces. Uh, but once all the suits kind of get, get in the area, they're pretty easily able to overwhelm these suits because again these are one year war suits and you know the Gundam team has the advantage of almost 10 years of technology on these guys yeah and the the desert zakus are just zakus that don't get sand in their joints right like there's nothing else fancy about them yeah the dwaj has some fancy like cooling stuff and Stuff like that, but nothing insane. Speaking of insane, what is, what is Mondo wearing? What is that? I mean, it's a sleeveless, button-up, collared, like, yellow shirt and a little red bow tie. It's like a cowboy outfit or something. It's like he's standing outside the circus selling me tickets. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like it's the same person who made the map. What was like? This is what uh, Earth people wear. This is what you wear in the desert. It's it's desert wear. You, you know, we saw Mondo draw something several episodes ago. I bet Mondo drew the maps. And then when they realized how bad they were, he like put a little date on the bottom, like 0068 July seventh. Like they won't know they're mine. Um. Yeah. For sure. So uh, Rommel is pissed that he has lost so completely and to a kid at that. And he charges in to kill Judo and just he gets shredded like they were shredding Nikki. Um, he doesn't instantly die. Um, but Judo just like this is kind of another callback to the last episode, uh, but more more direct. He's, you know, he's, he calls uh, Rommel reckless and, uh, you know laments the waste of life um and then you know rommel's suit falls back and blows up um and judo cries some you know is obviously distressed um and then the this episode ends with us seeing the families of the fallen uh zeon fighters they specifically focus on nikki's wife and kid yeah yeah she was yeah it was them too and i think there was like a handful of other people too but yeah they they left people behind well there's the one final shot of just his wife it's at night yeah you see that it was really early on in the episode it was already there but they've got that one cross with the helmet draped on it um very uplifting ending to the episode um except not at all but that's okay. Uh, that's it's it makes its point. It, hey. it absolutely makes its point. Double Zeta is just too lighthearted. Well, <laughs> um, 
So I, I did do a little bit of other looking up on the Rommel Corps just from some ancillary media. Now, you may remember, I kind of didn't, but we actually talked about these guys once before. Way, way back when we were doing our one-year war side stories and went through a bunch of different manga, these guys were in Gundam Legacy, like, you know, the stuff that kind of tied in with Lost War Chronicles and all the video games of that, you know, early knots. Um, and so in there, we see the guys from Zionic Front, led by Garrett Schmitzer, joining up. That's the Midnight Fenrir Corps. They join up with Rommel's crew after the California base falls. And Rommel's team helps them basically get onto an HLV back up into space. And I think the. Obviously, that was written a long time after Double Zeta. Probably, I think that came out 15 years after or something. Yeah. But uh, what uh, – I forget the um, manga artist and writer's name, but what he does there is when Schmitzer's about to leave on the HLV, he tells Rommel, like, you know, I know you're going to stay here and, and try to carry on the fight, but just, you know, make sure you don't waste the lives of all your people. And – he does. He does. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight years so, and all you get is like punching some dude for like his wife being kind of whiny. Come on, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we covered all the other stuff that I had put down. Like his name is desert. I wonder where he lives. And wh- how is it? How did that work when he was in space? Did he like grow up in Texas colony or something? Maybe that's why Garen sent him there maybe this guy's from the <laughs> desert oh no his sir his name is desert yeah he clearly belongs in the desert then S- sir he 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 grew up on a tropical uh, uh <laughs> uh colony yeah send him to the desert Garen, based on this episode Garen went through and he's like so all the brown soldiers can we send them to, let's africa because I am Space Hitler, and this is a thing that that's to- that's totally something Garen would do. It's where yeah. they belong. You know what? When I first saw it, I'm like, he must have been recruiting locally because, like, every single person here looks. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. Nope. <laughs> Episode twenty six, Masai's heart. Oh, quick voice. note about the last. Quick note about the last episode. I, you said Face of Rommel, but the actual trans, like the not, not the translated one, but the like title that I have is Rommel's Face. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the Blu-ray on this one. <laughs> the Face of Rommel. <laughs> That's better because <laughs> Rommel's face makes no fucking sense unless no, you're talking about that, how that it gets is, blown up at the very end of the episode. I was so, I was so confused that I went and I like looked up. I'm like, okay, so it's like Rommel no. Whatever, whatever the yeah, yeah, and I'm like, uh, I'm like that. Like, I know no means of. That should be like face of Rommel, right? (laughs) Which is what it should translate. So, I mean, I think the literal translation is Rommel's face, but that that's like super literal. (laughs) I think that's how most of the the titles that I have are are uh, (laughs) translated. (laughs) Masai's heart. Yeah, and so I wanted to talk about the intro song uh, very briefly. There's a new one. And an, and, and an outro. Yeah, but the intro is more notable because 
quite literally, this is basically like it's it's a song that's about Haman, and the intro is almost like a music video about Haman. It's just it's the Haman song that we're on. And now I would also note, notably absent from this intro that it is in the first intro, but not this one is Shar. I, I I do want to say the original intro is the best intro in the yes. world. There is no other Gundam intro in the history of Gundams, past, present, or future, that is better than the original Zeta, double Zeta intro. Maybe it's because the ending of the last episode was such a downer. They went, oh, now it is an anime. <laughs> This we is definitely to, an anime to, now. <laughs> we, we have to change the intro. <laughs> I, it was. Do you think there was a aside from the like jokes aside? Was there a good reason to change it, or did we just decide this is it's, we're about halfway through? It's time to change. I think that. I mean, I think that's what it was. We're we're at what episode uh, twenty twenty six of forty seven. So it's pretty close to we're halfway through. Not at all halfway. What's that? You, It's slightly after halfway, I guess. Yeah, it is. For sure. I wonder what the air date is. It might be the start of a season. Yeah. Ooh, good point. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna go with, with Scotty's theory though, is like they wrote the dark episode and they're like, ah now we gotta we gotta change this shit up because kids are gonna be crying saying, But mommy, it's not an anime, it's real life. It's a documentary. <laughs> Hmm. It was. It aired on August thirtieth, nineteen eighty six. And the, the episode before was August twenty third, and this was the last episode before the. No, no, there's no break. There was no break. Never mind. I can't do math. Yeah, these shows ran for the solid year. Um, wow. So, okay, it doesn't correspond to that either. So we'll go. Yeah, we'll just go with. Uh, they said, "All right, the tone has yeah, definitely yeah, shifted." You need the Haman music video instead of. Telling everybody that this is real, this is real, everybody's dying, this is real. Remind them, now, maybe it's not real. <laughs> um, so, speaking of uh, upbeat, uh, we start the episode with a woman talking to a helmet, uh, and ta- talking to it and calling it Tag. Um, she she's, she's there and says that they're here when we see the... the when she sees Judo's core fighter, she goes, they're here. And out of context, just looking at my notes, you'd think she was a real piece of work. I just put, um, you know, she's talking to an empty Zeon helmet, calling it tag, saying how she's checked all the mechanisms just like he wanted. <laughs> like, okay, great. Great yep. job. Yep. No context, crazy bitch. <laughs> uh, I mean, she is kind of crazy, but. We'll get there. Anyway, Judo still ain't found any water, but he found he finds a camel. Yes, rogue camel. He so he he flies over this camel. He sees it and he's like, "Wait, camels have water in them. They store water in their humps." <laughs> Wondering how he planned to get this water out of the camel. <laughs> Fucking jab a straw on the camel's hump and just suck. Listen, guys, I've got a lot of guns here. I'm going to make this happen. We we saw earlier our simple space boy here skipped school a lot. <laughs> I mean, not only did they not have camels on side one, but 
he didn't go to school when they would have maybe mentioned that you can't just stick a straw in a camel. <laughs> to be fair, to, to be fair, I don't think there was ever a lesson in my biology class or anything that said, by the way, you can't drink the water out of a camel's back. I distinctly had a lesson about this when they were talking about camel biology and they were like, yeah, they have pumps to store water, but it's not just like a coconut full of water. It's just, it's not like that. Sure it is. Um, <laughs> so he, no, look, they, they actually teach this in like elementary school because some have one, some have two. And so you get, you, you get into this in school. So, Judo gets distracted. Taxes. <laughs> Judo gets distracted and about this camel's humps and just crashes into a dune. Um, and uh, he and he, he starts chasing it. Yeah, he starts yeah, chasing camels, it. This camel's like, oh god, why is there a jet fighter after me? What did I do? Yeah, so so he runs into the crazy lady talking to the helmet and you know he tells her it's like oh, I want to get water from this thing and she's like. Dipshit, you can't get water from a camel's hump. You cannot drink a camel. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm with some mobile suits. Can you take me somewhere to get some water? And she's like, yes, I will take you to an oasis to get some water. Uh, it is the, the law, or the what is it, the code of the desert or something along those lines? The law of the desert to help idiots that think you can drink from a camel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Uh, back with uh, the Gundam team, we see everybody kind of still miserable and hot, and Eno uh, touches one of the suits and just, like, melts his skin off of his hand. I imagine it, like, peeled off when he pulled it back, and he's going to be, like, permanently scarred for the rest of his life. Um, that didn't happen, but well, he did. It's actually him. a comedy bit, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get real, man. <laughs> Just imagine a YouTube series where someone's like hyper realistic Gundam, and it's like just just like ha 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 ha, and then it shows his like bloodied and burned hand. <laughs> He's just like crying, and everybody's like cradling him. Um, You're in the Living Dead core now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're following. Uh, this is where they they mentioned, like we mentioned a little bit ago, that they're following a pre one year war map because that's all they have, uh, and they're not super happy about that now. Um, and, you know, L is arguing with everybody, uh, and Beach and Mondo kind of, like, sandwich her at one point. Um, L and Rue arguing and bickering is the theme of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, or maybe, maybe like, the running gag theme isn't quite right. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, they're arguing with everybody. Like, this is a really chaotic like everybody's just bickering and over it and tired and thirsty uh and then like as everybody's getting angry at each other um pull just dumps the last bit of water on her head and it says fuck y'all i was hot um <laughs> and everybody's like what that was the last of her water and then all the women start fighting back and forth with each other and arguing and yelling at pull uh, and then I, I like how, like when Ellen Rue are brainstorming how they're going to bully pull, it shows the dudes and they're just like staying out of this. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like observers. They're just like eating a snack. <laughs> Should have been popcorn. Um, but yeah, so then 
Rue starts telling Paul that Judo ran off and left her, and L jumps on too, um, and she runs off. And had this been any other episode, she would have like taken a core fighter and flown off, and like that would have been like the theme of the episode. I like how she runs off on her own, and Eno's like, "Wait, this okay? Like ten year old girl in the desert? This might be going too far. <laughs> we, we might not be able to get away with this one." <laughs> Um, but luckily she runs into Judo and the woman on the camel. Judo has brought water. <laughs> um, so they show up to escort him to the Oasis and the lady's basically like, uh, there's a lot of you guys. The Oasis is that way. Go, go that way. You'll find a city and an Oasis. And um, there's this I'm busy. moment of Paul looking at her and she looks back and that's when she's already kind of hesitating. She's like, there are more of you than I thought. And then there's yeah. that little thing with Paul and she's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. And, and, the, and then Paul basically tells Judo, she's like, that lady seems really sad and like shame on you for not even asking what her name was. Um, yeah. Cause again, we're, about a third of the way into this episode, we don't know her name yet. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised that that was Paul's initial reaction too, because if you remember the last episode when he saw her with what was her name, Anio, like her immediate reaction was to like walk up and like shove herself between them and shove them apart. Um, and then her response here was super, super different. Which was kind of interesting. She gives him shit here too. She does, but I think I think but her initial what? response to the lady to okay, to, yes, uh, yeah. inside was very different. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that is, is because um, we, we see with Paul, she, like her new type powers influence her a lot more. And one of the things that they've always inf- like emphasized with like new types is that they're hyper in tune with their emotions and the emotions surrounding them. So if this woman is like mentally distressed, um, I think that like comes off to new types very strongly, except for Judo, who's just you know letting his thirst guide him. He's a robot pilot. Yeah, he's a robot. He's like the best, the strongest new type, but he's just a robot pilot. Um, so the group makes it to the city, uh, and everyone seems confused as they enter the city about what a mosque is. They're like, uh, be careful about that building. Or what's that triangle over there? Somebody's like, it's a mosque. It's, it's like a religious thing where people do the religious stuff and pray. Rue knows what it is. Yeah. She's just, she doesn't want to have to explain the whole thing to Beecha. She's like, it's, it's a church. Okay. Just yeah. go with that. Yeah. But you have some more of the bickering between her and Elle here too. Uh, L well, like quickly finds the town in the core top, and then Rue is like, "Well, don't use the radio too much." And all this Minovsky, like it's the or excuse me, she is like the Minovsky part- particle density is really low, so you don't want to use the radio too much. And then, um, yeah, then that you know the thing with the the mosque happens and all that, and uh, then Rue lands the core top in the middle of the street, and Rue's like, "What are you guys doing? You have to ask for these things." formally you know yeah um so um judo and paul run across the woman there because they're they went separately from the rest of the gundam team they went on foot um and 
they run across the woman going into the cave or into a cave. Uh, and then we kind of see her getting into a normal suit. Um, and then we, we find out that she has a Gilgook, uh, and judo runs up to her and is trying to convince her not to fight. Um, and she basically pushes him off and launches towards the city to go, uh, fight the Gundam team. Uh, the villagers, uh, don't want to give the Gundam team water, um, and then this is actually where we learn uh, the woman's name. Because uh, once he's like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, this lady led us there. And he's like, oh, Masai. Um, so we could have inferred from the episode title, but this is the first time. They see yeah, it. yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so he's like, oh, yeah, that that woman Masai must have done this. Um and so the villagers push everybody out of the village. Um, and again, like the elder seems to be clued into what's, what, what's going on here. Um, and, and Rue has another hint of, I think she's, I think she probably has more experience with like earth people because she seems to know like, Hey, these people were taken advantage of. Um, these people have seen war and they probably don't want any mobile suits near their village because they know what happens when uh, they're around. Um, and at this point, Beecha spots the Gelgoog out of the corner of his eye. Um, so Rue wants to capture the Gelgoog uh, because she believes that the Gelgoog is uh, part of Haman's forces. Um, so she wants to prevent it from uh, getting I guess to Dakar and telling them uh, where they are and they engage the Gelgoog. Um, but again, as we mentioned earlier with Camille, nobody is used to fighting in atmosphere yet. And doubly so nobody is used to fighting uh, on the surface of sand. Uh, walking's one thing, but maneuvering around all of these dunes and, and dirt is just another. Um, the Masai is playing a game of hide and seek with the Zeta. Um, and then we see her like undoing this trap, which is basically a giant like sand hose. It basically sucks the sand out of the ground and blows it at the suits. Um, so they, they say that it, it, it reduces their visibility, but I imagine it also like damages their internals and slows them down even more than normal. Um, and judo, and pull managed to free their core fighter uh, and <laughs> get a little funny uh, scene of judo turning upside down to empty the core fighter out uh, and then pull almost falling out and dying. Uh, but he manages to grab her before that happens and starts flying towards everybody else. Um, so, the Masa uh, Masai knock. I, I keep wanting to say the Masai because it sounds like like the the, the Marsala or something like that, the, the mobile suits. <laughs> uh, but so Masai knocks the Mark II into the quicksand that uh, has Mondo in it. Uh, and Rue goes to pull him out. Um, but as she's doing so, uh, Masai ambushes them again uh, and causes some, causes them to like fall back down to the quicksand uh, because the, was it the Mega Riders? The 
Rue was holding on to the Mega Rider to pull him out too. Um, so there, there's a little bit of chaos, and then Judo shows shows up and kind of he he gives them a hard time for having trouble with you know one old Zeon suit. But then Rue says, "Listen, Judo, it's stock footage transformation time. We don't have time for this." <laughs> Yeah, th- and there was a mention, too, earlier that it seems... I don't know if this plays into, like, why they're having the trouble they're having, but they also mentioned earlier, I don't know if it's this episode or the last episode, uh, when they were going to engage with the enemy, that they wanted to conserve as much ammo as possible, because I think they were anticipating having to fight uh, a lot when they got to Dakar, and they didn't want to use up all of their ammo before they got to Dakar. I mean, yeah, I think that's some of it. Also, it's just you have someone that is clearly prepared, has traps set, knows the terrain really well. You have a team that is very tired and dehydrated and in disarray with suits not modified for the environment. And look, a Gelgu, by one year war standards, is a really good suit. By now, it's not. But, you know, this is not, it's not like the Zakus they just ran into. I was going to say, compared to the Zakus that they just dealt with, it's way better. Plus, you know, they, it's still that kind of same. They don't really know how to fight in the desert. Like, even all of that aside, they don't know yeah. what they're doing in the desert. And, and one of the pilots is Mondo. Like, the Mark II might as well not be there. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, they turn it. They, they, yeah, like Scotty said, we get the stock footage of it turning into the Mark II, or to the double Zeta uh, to fight with the Gelgoog. Um, and she fights hard. Masai fights really hard, but um, sh- she does not hold a candle to the double Zeta, even when it's like not in favorable terrain. Um, Pulse tries to stop Judo from from fighting her too hard, but um, he keeps fighting. And we learn that uh, her boyfriend, Tag, was basically some mobile suit guy that had been around the village, but was basically not allowed to be in the village uh, I think she uses the word outcast at some point, but I, I think he was never really part of the village. Like he showed up like they did uh, and he was going to stay there for a while, but he was just never accepted in. Uh, but she wanted to approve. She wanted to prove that he was a good guy and deserving of their trust and respect. Um, uh, and he wasn't just like any normal uh, mobile suit pilot. Um, and this is how she was going to do it. She's going to take out the Gundam team. Uh, her suit uh, starts to overload in the battle with judo. Um, yeah, well, it's it's when it's so when they're locked up and they're talking, and then she gives that whole thing spiel about. She basically gives her like whole context and backstory in right. like, thirty seconds, and then pull at that point is like, okay, this stop playing around with this woman. Like, let's end this. And so judo cuts off the head and the right arm of it, and. Then pulls like okay, eject now, and she's not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. So the suit's about to b- blow up, and pulls like you need to save her. So judo rips her face off, or rips the suit's face off, uh, and then just tells, the cockpit hatch. The head's yeah. already gone. Well, the eye thing. Well, it's, it's like a little the cock, that cockpit hatch, different area. Oh, yeah. So he rips it open and tells pull, hey, take over. Runs out the suit. And uh, rips her out of the Gelgoog before it explodes, and the Zeta basically turns around to absorb the brunt of the explosion. Um, well, she's not going to leave, and then Judo slaps the helmet off of her. How do you even then, do that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but 
Um, if, I, if I had to guess, it was her her boyfriend's helmet. We didn't fit her right. Big. Yeah. You know, think about it, like if you were wearing like a bike helmet or something like that, and, and you hit it, you hit something that was the wrong size, it would come right off. Yeah. Come on, Luke. I'm joking. <laughs> and I'm going to slap your motorcycle helmet off. <laughs> I don't have one anymore. You got rid of your helmet, too? Yeah, the, the dude that bought my motorcycle bought everything. He bought my fucking jacket. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, we're making this up. Helmet. What's that? I wouldn't wear a used helmet. Anyway. <laughs> <Wait either. laughs> um, so uh, the, the episode uh, comes to a close with the Gundam team able to uh, get water from the villagers um, and pull saying that she is sad because Masai will now forever be alone um, as an outcast from the village and oh yeah, and her, her son. It's, her it's brutal. Boyfriend. So Paul's crying inside the cockpit with Judo. Um, this is, I mean, Masai, they do get Masai out. Yeah. She's not dead, but um, Paul's, you know, as they're leaving, she said she feels sorry for Masai, says uh, she has been alone for three years since Tag died. Mm-hmm. And... Then she says, and now she'll be alone forever. It's like, oh, well, good. Great. <laughs> um, so now you have, uh, you know, they, these villagers watch the Gundam team leave. And some of them walk past Masai and they're like, is it okay to just like leave her be? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's to be good. Um, and uh, there was something interesting that happened here because uh, this, you know, Tomino doesn't do stuff like this on accident. Um, this black pig goes by. Masai, and then she goes to her little hut or whatever, and just kind of sits alone in a corner, uh, asking Tag, like, "Okay, well, now, like now, what do I do?" And there's like Kenny G music playing while the episode ends. And I was like, "That was weird. It was depressing, but also weird." I said, "What the hell is up with the black pig?" So I did like five minutes of Google searching Fuck. on this, okay? I, I'm i an expert on PhD. This That's right. You come here for... for the, the No one listens to this for our research. But anyway... Um, <laughs> they do. They're the wrong podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... You know, and, and for all I know, like I didn't, I didn't listen to uh, MSB's episode for this episode of Double Zeta. I bet they covered this much better. But... Anyway, I didn't listen to it. I have no idea. So the black pig, what I found is, uh, and actually, well, I will get there. Um, one thing that I saw was that on the uh, Buddhist wheel of, of life or circle of life, there's lots of terms for it, wheel of existence, that this represents one or more of life's three poisons, which are greed, ill will, and delusion. So I was definitely delusional, so I thought, well, that... That kind of uh, a checks out, uh, and then when you, I looked a little bit further into, I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation, but the uh, bhavakakra, uh, which is something from Tibetan Buddhism, um, or maybe just Buddhism in general. I'm not, as I said, I'm definitely an expert here. Um, but the there is a in this uh, bhava chakra, which is like a big. Uh, uh, like diagram, symbolic diagram. Uh, the there, it's this wheel that's the wheel of existence or the wheel of life, and in the center hub, the there's a pig, a rooster, and a snake, and those represent 
three poisons, and respectively their ignorance, attachment, and aversion. So in this case, it's the pig and ignorance. And I thought that kind of worked well. Um, the second layer beyond it is karma, and that's where you have light and dark. So I thought, okay, dark and pig would be like bad karma due to her ignorance. And in this case, it's because she probably didn't know really what Tag was all about, being with Zeon. Um, thought that she honestly still thought the Gelgoog was the best mobile suit because that's what Tag said. And hey, look, if he came around there in the one-year war, yeah. And the thing technically, I think, outspecced even the Gundam. So, yeah. You know, that that would have been legit, but then it's just ignorance that things had moved on and, and things like that and is now uh, suffering for it. So, um, fun fact, that that whole wheel of life existence concept, whatever, came up before way back when we were thinking about where Shangri-La's name came from. So I said, ah, okay, maybe a little bit of a, a inspiration here. One thing I think it is not, uh, I guess this was more of the Irish symbolism, which a black pig in a dream can be a sign of upcoming wealth. Uh, I don't think that's what this was. No, because she was definitely sitting in the corner of a house on a fucking, like, dirty rag. <laughs> Just, like, all alone and sad and never to rise again per uh, one of the other guys in the village. Yeah. Just like the Argama, um, from earth. <laughs> but like, yeah. So yeah, neat. some, some thematic, but the sexy stuff. jazz music. That's a little weird. That was so out of place. <laughs> so out of place. Yeah. The, the Kenny G caught me off guard there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute. This woman's life is destroyed. And like, we're listening to like smooth, like jazz. Hmm. It's better than camel by camel. I mean, I wonder where they got that water from. I wonder if it was truly from the villagers or if it was from that camel. It's just camel pee. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Paul would have used it to cool, cool off. All right, guys. Shower is that? Is that a if she can shower? Take a bath in it? She'll do it. I mean, <laughs> it's cooler than the outside temperature. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, that's three episodes. We haven't done a three episodes uh, show in a while, and these were actually pretty packed episodes. They were good episodes too. I got to say, the last three episodes were all pretty good. I really, I really enjoyed this. Like, I won't say arc because they're kind of separate, and they kind of say no, they're all kind of related. It's, yeah, it's I, like I, the I, desert I, traveling arc. Yeah, I really enjoyed this arc. Yeah, these are ones that I think are very easy to just pick up and watch and they're not ones you go back to a lot uh if i were to do like a summary compilation thing of this series it's stuff you'd kind of just hop and hop skip and jump over real quick but yeah, i think it's I would definitely interesting it's an interesting way to portray what's going on on earth you know it's it's i think very fitting for double zeta so far to show everything through the lens of just regular folks more so yeah. than the whole uh, like military industrial complex around them. Yeah. I think if they did a compilation movie, they might show like the Rommel piece and leave out the Maasai piece for sure. Um, yeah. And it'll only be like five minutes. Rommel. I'm, I'm a Zeon guy. I'm going to help fight to reinstate uh, Maneva. You could you could patch it together in a way where like the guys on the coast are just part of his unit too, and like after they explode, like Rommel's dudes show up like oh how do, they took out our advanced 
coast forces or something. Like you yeah. could, you, you know, you could rework that to just all flow together if yeah. you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with the open, the new opening and ending, we are officially heading towards the end of this series. And I think it's definitely picked up and it's getting good. And I think the next several episodes are only going to get better, uh, and more dramatic and, uh, hopefully no more black pigs and sexy jazz music. At some point way down the line, we've got Tiger Bomb, but I think we're I pretty good say, most like, of the rest like of the way. There's a, there's a couple, there's a, the, the stuff with Tiger Bomb, if I remember, is pretty crappy. But other than that, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, it, Zeta always has, like, some of the lighthearted elements from the beginning of the series, but it's I don't think it ever gets quite, uh, it, it's not as silly as it started off as moving towards the end of the show. It's definitely hit its stride at this point, I think. I don't think we have too many more chickens. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else? Yeah, I think I'm good. All right. We will see you in two weeks. Until then, thanks for listening. Check us out on Twitter at NewTypeFlashPod and uh, on Reddit where we post these things occasionally. So feel free to discuss and reach out and tell us what we're doing bad or good. Uh, Until then, we will see you soon.